Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Armor Report. This is our third edition of our Cannabis Investing Super Cycle podcasts and live streams on YouTube. Armor stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. All the information I'm sharing with you comes directly off my trading desk. I'm managing my own capital and that of other investors. All of our businesses run through our affiliation with interactive brokers. Um, it is a live trading desk. It means you're going to see me looking all around while I'm talking to you because I have trades on as we speak. Typically, I start this um, um, this show, if you will, with a discussion of what our top five algorithms are telling us about the markets. So on our trading desk, in our equity portfolios, this is all about stock market investing on the show. We build portfolios by um, uh, identifying investment themes we want to be a part of, identifying the stocks that we think will benefit the most, the companies that we feel are best positions to benefit off of that theme. But we use algorithms to help us execute our strategy, when to have on full positions with the most amount of risk, when to take off that risk and be defensive. So before we get to the cannabis story, let's quickly update for those of you who follow this show for an understanding of how to manage your risk. I'll start by saying what I've been saying, quite frankly, for a couple of months now. The big algorithms that we use, they're proprietary. They are designed for the volatility of each particular index. We are using the exchange-traded funds for the S&P 500, the Dow Industrials, the NASDAQ 100, the small cap index, and the momentum index. All five of them continue to tell us to have risk off. And what that means for us on our desk is that whatever the largest amount of cash we're willing to hold in a position is for each individual investor, that's where we are right now. Okay? Somebody who's very aggressive and who follows these uh, algorithms religiously has a lot of cash in the portfolio, right? Somebody who's a, who, who wishes to build a portfolio of equities over time and, and um, is willing to deal with some more of the volatile, volatile swings, you know, maybe only 25% of the portfolio is cash. But whatever it is, that cash position is at its maximum, and it has been since the beginning of October last year. Every one of our model portfolios outperformed all the indexes last year because of our risk management techniques. And I kind of harp on that a little bit right now because we're going to discuss today the cannabis investing super cycle. This is part three of our strategy. And today we're going to focus on risk management. There are risks involved in stock market investing for all of you out there who are trying to do this. These, these three, these three episodes that I've put together are a, a view from up above about what the opportunity is. It's exciting. 
We're going to build wealth over the next three to five to ten years. It's not going to be easy. A lot of risk is involved. So understanding how to manage risk is going to be key to holding on to your core investments through the swings. That's what we're going to talk about today. What we do on our desk is we use our proprietary algorithms to help us manage market risk by looking at the big index algorithms and how to manage the investment risk of a particular theme by using algorithms designed for the volatility of, in this case, the marijuana group. The ETF is MJ, as in Mary Jane. It's my favorite ETF for this group. So before I get into this part three of the cannabis story, let me just reiterate we are at the very top of the downtrend, and in some cases, a little bit above the top on all five of these indexes. The downtrend was in place starting from the peak in September of last year. We overshot to the downside in December, and we've overshot to the upside in January. It's totally normal. And what happens on this January overshoot is guys on CNBC and other financial networks start breaking out the party hats, talking about how the correction's over, talking about how what a great January it is. It's the best January in 30 years. That should be great for the market. They said the exact same thing last year in 2018. It was the best January in 20 years. Should be a great 2018. How'd that treat those portfolios? Passive management of your equity portfolio after a 10-year bull market is a very dangerous strategy. Don't confuse central bank intervention and liquidity for intelligence on your part or the broker you use or the investment advisor you use. Buying and holding stocks when the central banks around the world are adding massive amounts of liquidity, works. You don't have to think. Central banks are doing it for you. 2018 was the first year in 10 or 9 where central banks were not adding liquidity. They were net reducing liquidity. And look what happened to your equity portfolio. Look what happened to your Facebooks and your Amazons. Stocks were down big. All the indexes were down across the board last year. It's because central banks are now reducing liquidity and raising interest rates. Active management and risk management will be very important again this year. And we use our algorithms to do it. So on the bigger picture, we are still risk off. What does that mean for cannabis investors? It means don't dive in and buy everything today. That's a mistake. I'm sharing with you in this three-part series the importance of the cannabis investing super cycle that's in front of us. That does not mean you should run out and buy every cannabis stock right now. You need to be methodical. You need to take your time. You need to do your research. You need to find the right names to own. 
You don't need to own 20 or 30 names. You need to find the right 10 and own those 10 and then manage the risk of those 10. That's what we're going to talk about. And then I'll follow up at the end of this episode with a discussion of a little secret, a little known secret on our trading desk that we use in our portfolios and we have for 30 years that defines an investing super cycle and helps us really build alpha. I'm going to share with you a little secret that we use to focus our investing attention when there's so many opportunities out there. So let me start with another trip down memory lane with you. I told you in episode one and in episode two, I reiterated it, that I've been here before. I've been involved in investing super cycles before. I've built wealth on super cycles before. The first one I got in the business in 1993 was the internet boom. The second, and there have been others, but the second I've just shared with you is the human genome science mapping of 2000 and finding Illumina, which has turned out to be the single best investment of the last 15 years when it comes to uh, genomic sciences. But I want to share with you a secret, another secret. It's not really a secret. I'm going to share with you my experience with these investing super cycles. Remember, this episode is about risk management. So in 1993, I'd just gotten into the business. I was working with my dad. We went to this investor conference out in Monterey, California, called the American Electronics Association. We met with a whole bunch of management teams of internet companies because we were doing research. We thought this was an investment super cycle in front of us. Boy, were we right about that. But I came out of that meeting with Yahoo and, and I was ecstatic. I was telling my dad, this is the greatest idea I've ever heard in my life, which he thought was a bit amusing because I'd just gotten into the business. And um, the stock was $30 a share. Three months later, guys, the stock was 15. Three months later, the stock had dropped 50%. And I ask you, was I wrong that it was going to be a great investment? Was I wrong that the internet was going to be an investing super cycle? No. Stock went from 15 to 450 in the next seven years. Dropped 50% in the first three months of me doing work on the company. Had I let that get me off the bus, I would have missed an unbelievable opportunity to make money. But it does show us the dangers and the risks at the beginning of a new investing super cycle. Look, guys, this is not about investing in a company paying a fat dividend, okay? This is not conservative investing. This is aggressive investing. You're putting capital to work in a new industry before major institutions, major pools of capital are willing to commit 
Therefore, the ownership of the stocks at this stage is very fickle. Let's look at Illumina. I keep talking about how it's a 17,000% return in 15 years. It's true. True. First started buying the stock at three dollars and fifty cents in 2003 it bottomed out at two dollars and twelve cents in 2004 again stock went down after we first started buying stock went down then of course it went up over 17,000 percent in the next 14 years but along the way so there's two things to take away from this. Number one, both Yahoo and Illumina went down after the initial investment we made. Because trying to time the entries into these type of investments is very difficult. And of course, also back then, I didn't have algorithms. I didn't have anything. So we were just going off you know, our own, um, our own savvy, I guess, without any... Um, real risk management tools. We didn't really have risk management tools back then. And you didn't need them as much as you do today because back then there were pretty clear economic cycles and it was hard. It was easier to understand the process. There was no such thing as day trading. We were, we were dealing with um, stocks that were trading in fractions and not pennies, you know, so you made investments and you stayed committed. And the best way to manage the risk was to take initial position Continue to do your research and homework, add the position at lower prices, um, and that type of thing. But I, wanna, I just want to make sure we understand where we are in the cycle in cannabis. We are at the very beginning of an investing super cycle. And if we look at just the Illumina and the Yahoo stories, look, the last first two episodes of the cannabis investing super cycle, I talked about the amount of wealth we're going to make over a three and five to 10 year period. It doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. And that's why I'm ending this short series on risk management. It's vital to manage the risk correctly so you can be there for the profit reward. Both Illumina and Yahoo went down after we bought it and down a lot. And then, of course, over time, the investing super cycle wave made an absolute fortune in these stocks. And if you look at Illumina as an example, on the way up over that 14-year period, there were multiple 50% corrections in the stock. Okay multiple 50% corrections. So you've got to have an approach to protect your capital, but still capture the upside. So let's move to that. Here are a couple tools that we're going to be using on our trading desk to manage the risk. The first thing I would say, and this is true about all investments you make, whether or not they're cannabis or anything else. 
know this sounds easy. You've heard this before, but it's incredibly important. You sell into strength and you buy weakness. It's a simple thought process, but incredibly difficult for the human mind to execute. The human mind wants to do the exact opposite. As things are going up, greed takes over. You think you don't have enough, so you buy and buy and buy. As things go down, fear takes over. You think, I got to get out of here. I'm going to get killed. And your ego's bruised. So when it's time to get back in, you can't do it. You've lost money. You say, I can't lose money again in this stock. These are the pitfalls that stop most people from making a lot of money in the equity market. So what we do on our desk is we figure out what a core holding would be in each stock we're buying. I can't share with you what that is. My desk and the people I work with, we all have different risk profiles. We're willing to risk different amounts of capital. If you want me to help you with this, you got to give me a call and I'll talk you through it. But in essence, find what position size you're willing to hold where a 50% correction won't get you off the bus. And you hold it. And then you double or triple that position size at the appropriate times. Now, we're going to use algorithms to tell us when those appropriate times are. So we'll, we'll, we'll max out our exposure on weakness with the right entry point using algorithms. And then we'll reduce that exposure at targets higher back down to our core holding to create a cushion for all the volatility. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it in other accounts, hey, I like to use stop losses on everything I do personally. So if an asset hits a stop loss price, I'm out. You see, but I don't have ego problem. When it comes to managing assets, at least, I don't know what other people would say about the rest of my life. But when it comes to managing assets, I don't have an ego problem. I don't care if I lost money in the asset yesterday. If it's right today, I'll put the position back on. A lot of people have a hard time with that, but I, I don't really understand why. Like what, When I look at investments, the only thing I care about is am I on the right side of probability and statistics, and is the reward worth the risk I'm taking? Every stock looks pretty much the same to me. I know what my stop losses are, so I know what I'm willing to lose on every position I take before I take it. So that's decided. So the only thing that matters is what's the reward possibility. That's why I focus on investing super cycles because the reward's enormous versus buying shares of Micron because it's got a cheap PE, right? I mean, give me a break. Right? I, I always get on a rant here about how PEs are absolutely worthless, but they're even more so worthless when it comes to investing super cycles. Illumina at $3.50 was losing money. So it's E of the PE was negative, right? It's like in, infinity. So if I didn't buy the stock because I was afraid of what the PE was, I would have missed an opportunity over 15 years to make over 17,000%. You see what I'm saying? So let's don't get into that again. But... See, I digress. I get off into this thing. It makes me so angry because that's what most investment advisors and brokers tell people just to sound smart. And it's just such a, 
um, a misconception. So let's just get back to managing risk. In some instances, I have stop losses. It doesn't matter what the asset is. I know what my loss is going to be. And I may handle cannabis that way also. This is me now, guys. I'm not telling you how to manage your risk. This is how I manage my risk. I will cut my positions down when I hit stop losses. And I might cut them out completely. And then I'll use my algorithms to find the next entry point. Very often, that entry point will be lower. Sometimes the entry point is higher. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just looking for the right probability statistical entry point where the reward is worth the risk I'm taking. All right, so let's get back to how do we manage risk. There's two things we can do. Only take a core position in your favorite names, one that you're willing to suffer serious volatility on without selling it. So you've got to think of the dollar amount you can handle without getting taken out. Or use stop losses, get taken out, but don't mind stepping back in when the opportunity presents itself. Third thing we do is whatever our core position is, when the opportunity presents itself, we increase the position size. And then when these stocks run, everything overshoots for a while. You've got to sell into the, into, the, into the excitement. You have to let some shares go to book a profit to insulate yourself for the volatile downside moves. So you're managing your risk. And this is, these are tools, tried and true tools you can use to help you stay with an investment super cycle over years. If you get too excited, I remember uh, in, the in the 1990s, I think, Dell Computer was a great investment idea. Stock was up huge, and CNBC used to love to go to in interview people who owned shares of Dell. They were the Dell people. Right. All they did was buy shares of Dell and they had like barbecues once a month to talk about how much money they were making. And of course, most of those guys lost all their money because Dell eventually went through a cycle. It was a cyclical business. It's computers. Right. And it got crushed. And they couldn't figure out what to do with their risk because none of them were willing to sell into the excitement of their barbecues that were somehow getting them on CNBC. The very fact that they were on CNBC should have told them there is too much hype around shares of Dell and I should book some profits up here. This is called risk management, guys. Okay. The other thing we're going to be doing on our own desk is writing puts on our favorite names at prices where we're willing to accept the stock. Okay, so it's a way for us to get invested. These things are running away. When they come down a bit, we write some puts at much lower levels. We're collecting premium. If the stocks keep going up, we keep the premium. If the stocks come down, we get put the stock. It's at a price we're willing to accept it. It's a nice way to add a little income to your portfolio. All right, with the last five minutes of the show, I want to share with you uh, a little secret on our trading desk. Now, I've got, if you look at our website, rosenthalcapital.com, you go to algorithmic um, research, you're going to see a, um, a blog post I have up about rules of the road. 30 years of my experience doing this, I'm creating rules of the road, my handbook of how I invest, and I'm sharing it with you. Rule number 29. I haven't written it up there, but I'm going to update that 
blog post today and you'll see it. Rule number 29. This is the most important. I'm going to read rule number 29 to you. This is a key in the beginning of an investing super cycle for cannabis or any investing super cycle. Rule 29, invest ahead of institutional acceptance of the investing theme. It's institutional investing that puts stocks up over a series of months and years. It's not the money I put in these stocks. It's not the money you're putting in these stocks. They're going to put them up 17,000% in 15 years. Illumina didn't have a run like that because of individuals buying the stock. It had that run because institutions, what do I mean by that? I mean pension plans, profit-sharing plans, endowment funds, billions of dollars in institutional hands. When those guys accept an investing theme and start plowing money into it, you get multiple expansion over time. You need that institutional sponsorship to really have an investing super cycle. So our job is to get involved in front of that wave. You get involved too early, like in Yahoo and in Illumina, the stock could drop 50% before it runs because there's not that consistency of buying that goes on when big institutions put money to work. The cannabis investing super cycle is interesting. We went over this yesterday. There's three separate groups. We got the branding, we got the retailers, we got the growers. Go look at part two for a recap of that. Institutions are starting to put money into the branding aspect. We have Altria. We have Constellation Brands. We have Molson Coors. These guys are investing in IP around brands. And with that comes institutional investment, right? These pension plans, property plans, they feel comfortable when they see someone big like that getting into Canopy. This is why Canopy is one of the best investments right now at the beginning of the cycle. But a little secret for an individual investor is that we can position assets before the institutions are willing to come in. And so particularly, there is an interesting opportunity on the Canadian Stock Exchange right now. Now, most people won't touch the CSE. Historically, it's like the pink sheets in the U.S. It's a bunch of companies, some of them nefarious. It's not the best way to put capital to work. But there's a unique reason why U.S.-based cannabis companies are listing on that exchange, and that's the secret right now. They have no other exchange they can list on. If and This is the weird thing about our, 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 our legal environment in the U.S. right now. We have federal law prohibiting the business of marijuana. We have states allowing it. If your business is headquartered in the U.S. and you grow in the U.S., you're literally violating a federal law. Therefore, 
You have no access to bank accounts. You have no access to U.S. capital markets. And that means that you have no access to institutional sponsorship of your stock. All right. Let's be honest for a second. The reason stocks go up over a long period of time is that investment banks write research reports and convince their institutions to buy these assets as they do investment banking. That's why it's great to invest in industries where there's M&A going on, because then you have the Wall Street engine promoting those stocks and institutions buying in those groups. So here we have a situation where institutions and investment banks in the U.S. cannot recommend the purchase of U.S.-based cannabis companies. They can talk about Canopy. That's a Canadian-based company. They're not violating laws. Telray, Kronos, these are why these are the top three names right now in MJ, the ETF, and why it's the top three names I'm willing to talk to you about on this show. But I'm doing research and work on our desk on U.S.-based cannabis companies that are trading on the Canadian Stock Exchange because you have a double whammy here of, of um, net worth building capabilities. We have the investment theme of cannabis and the eventual flow of institutional capital into this group when laws change. We can get involved ahead of the institutional flow of capital. And that's powerful. A lot of risk, right? If laws aren't changed in the next year or two, these stocks are going to be very volatile. A lot of risk. But a huge amount of reward. I just read yesterday, if you follow my Twitter feed, you'll see there's a story about Congress going to be talking again about new banking rules to allow U.S.-based cannabis companies to get access to bank accounts. That's just one step away from broker-dealer. Um, right now, there's a, a States Act law that they're working on, perhaps, where federal government will decriminalize marijuana and allow states to decide what to do. And perhaps that will allow the movement of these U.S.-based marijuana companies off of the CSE onto the big board here. Whatever the case, the time to be involved is ahead of that news. And so we're building a position. And the last thought I'll leave with you on, and I meant to say this before, but I just want to add to it. When it comes to risk management, we're building out a portfolio of individual stocks and we use the exchange traded fund MJ as a way to reduce exposure. In other words, for sophisticated accounts, we may be short MJ while we're still long the individual stocks as a way to hedge our risk. Guys, it's been a half an hour. I got to get back to my desk. I got to get back to trading. I hope this has been helpful for you. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to talking to you again. Any questions you may have, I'll take Q&A and perhaps we'll have part four of the Cannabis Investing Super Cycle where I answer a bunch of questions that I'm getting from you guys. All right, so you can go to the website, rosenthalcapital.com. You can send me an email, direct message me on Twitter, at Brett Rosenthal, and I'll try to address some of your questions. Thanks for being here. Be safe out there. Risk management is key. Never forget that, even when you get carried away with the excitement of the ability to 
increase your net worth in a meaningful way with an investment theme. Take care, guys.